listening to the Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherastro.org. Whether you're joining us today from one of our Gather homes or a life group, or maybe you're just watching in your sofa in your favorite bathrobe right now with a bowl of Oreos, we're happy you're here as well. Welcome to the Gathering Church in this season. You know, I'm so excited. This past week, we were able to launch life groups, and, and uh, I, I love life groups. you got to know this about me, though. I'm an introverted person. And I know it may not seem that way because my voice is very loud, but I want you to know that it is hard to live your whole life as an introverted person with a loud voice. People notice you right away and it's not what you want, okay? Uh, Sometimes it's complicated, but anyways, uh, I'm such an introvert that I love life group, but always kind of have this sense of existential dread when it's time for a lot of people to come to my house. And I got to tell you that it has been six months and a lot of people came to my house this week and I was like, praise the Lord. I'm back with my people. I'm in community. I was ready for it. I was excited. We had such a good time. And, uh, and I hope that you were in a life group and that you were able to have a good time this week as well. If not, you got to join one. It's not too late. You can go. We have a couple Zoom groups. And so if you're not ready to be amongst the people yet, we can honor that. And man, we would just love for you to get in community and, and, and see some people uh, face-to-face, be able to share your, what's going on in your life, all your concerns and, and all the things that have happened over the last few months, we, we would love for you to have some people to carry that with. And so I hope you'll join a life group. Before I get started today, I want to really uh, just thank you, church, for your generosity. You know, we, we talked last week about the ways that we were able to serve our community in August. And I want you to know that as a principle, our church always looks for ways to serve outside of ourselves, to sow what we've been given into other places. And one of the ministries that we were able to partner with significantly and help get started here in our community this week is the Asheville Dream Center. I, I wanted to talk to you about this real quick because the Asheville Dream Center is, uh, we, had, we got to meet the, the folks that are starting it and hear their heart and their vision. And it's a ministry that's starting here in our city with the goal of not being an event-based ministry, but a relationship-based ministry to actually form long-lasting relationships and make a real difference in the underserved communities in our city, something we've been praying about, uh, how, how can we do this for a long time? And, and so we're so excited that they're here. We're honored to have them. We are going to have opportunities for you to get involved and to get out and serve and to start to build some of those relationships. So stay tuned and, and keep checking in, and, and we, we will roll out those things to you soon. In the meantime, you can go check them out at Asheville Dream Center. Um, I, I've, at, you can check them out their website and... Um, I should have remembered the website before I came up here, and I didn't. But maybe you can Google it, and you'll find it. But we're going to have opportunities for you, and you can actually volunteer and serve directly with them and get started right away if that's something you've been chomping at the bit to do. But thank you so much, church, for your generosity and for the ways that you allow us to bless our city and our community. Well, uh, today we are in a series called Toxic. We've been talking about toxic things. I think we're living in kind of a toxic time right now. If you want proof, walk outside. Everybody's wearing masks, okay? It's toxic 
out there. We're in a toxic season. And last week we talked about toxic culture and the ways that our culture can be toxic and what we as followers of Jesus should do when we're presented with a toxic culture. And today what I want to talk about is the way this year has changed some of our relationships and the way that some of them might have gone from being a little bit unhealthy or, or even from a healthy place to somehow they folded into a toxic place. I think that not having the same kind of human interaction we're used to for months and months and months has changed the way that we interact with our neighbors and family members, our co-workers, our friends, and after months of lockdown, the people that we've been locked down with. And so some of those relationships are strained and stressed, and some of them need attention and care, and some of them are simply toxic, toxic relationships. And so as a follower of Jesus, what should we do? How do we move forward? What is the best way for us to represent Jesus in a toxic relationship? First, let me clarify what some of those relationships look like. Let me paint a clear picture so you know what I mean when I say toxic relationships. There's a lot of different ways a relationship can go toxic, but some specific ones that I bet you can think of right now. And if they're sitting with you, don't point at them or look at them. You know, just keep your eyes fixed on me. Number one is negative Nancy. Negative Nancy. Negative Nancy can be a toxic relationship. Maybe you have someone in your life who is always constantly negative. They see the absolute worst in every single situation. They know how to make the bluest skies turn gray. They see an already difficult situation and know the exact wrong thing to say at the exact right time. They know how to make it worse, no matter where you are, no matter how good your mood was when you woke up that day. It's a beautiful day out now, right now, isn't it? No, it's too hot. I'm very sweaty. Uh, Nancy, we're getting married. Oh, congratulations. I hope it's better than my marriage. Or, uh, are you guys pregnant? Why are you getting... Negative Nancy always has something bad to say no matter how good the news is. This person is a gossiper. Oh, their marriage isn't as good as they make it look. Or their kids are nightmares in real life. Or, or, or they only have a car like that because they're in so much debt. Negative Nancy shows up to a prayer meeting and all of her prayer requests or his prayer requests are always just gossip disguised as a prayer request. Well, y'all need to pray for so-and-so because here's what I hear they're all mixed up in. Negative people are judgmental, critical, negative do you know a person like this? That's a toxic relationship. It makes it hard for you to keep moving forward in your purpose. It makes it hard for you to continue to choose joy if you're constantly being brought down to see only everything that is wrong. The tempter. The next one is the tempter. The tempter. This was the person everybody wanted to be friends with in college. The tempter. Do you have this person in your life? This is uh, maybe the person who always says, hey, Let's just stay for one more drink. Just one more drink. Come on, don't be lame. Don't be a loser. Don't go home. Come on, let's just do one more. Maybe it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend who you have in your life who's constantly pressuring you to take it to the next level. Maybe it is the friend who always wants you to do things that are outside of your comfort zone that you feel like are not good for you or not good for your future, but they say, come on. Everybody's doing it. The tempter. The tempter. 
It's the person your mom says is a bad influence. And you know that she's probably right, but you think this person is such a good time. And so you want to keep hanging out. The tempter. The tempter is loud and controlling and uses pressure to lead you into bad decisions. They disguise themselves as fun lovers and make you believe that you don't give in and you aren't, that if you don't give in, that you aren't fun. The tempter is toxic. The controller, this one is dangerous. The controller, this is the person who doesn't let you have your own thoughts or opinions in their presence. This, this person is manipulative. Maybe they don't seem like an angry or abusive person, but they are constantly pulling the wool over your eyes and using you to get what they want. Lies are their native language, and they will tell you whatever you need to hear in order to maintain the status quo that they want. They're overbearing. They can be abusive. They can have anger problems and use their rage or their anger or physical means to control your life. This is a very toxic relationship. Whoever this person is, for you, they may have the potential to cause waves of damage that affect you and everyone around you. The wanter. The wanter. This is the person who is never satisfied. They are materialistic and always spending money and maybe always finding ways to spend your money as well. Always pressuring you to, to buy the next thing, to, to want the next thing. They're never satisfied with where they are in lives and it makes you feel dissatisfied whenever you're around them. They're never satisfied in relationships. They're likely to cheat and find ways to justify it. The wanter. This is just a few examples. There's so many different kinds of toxic relationships. There's the aggressive person who is always mad, always on edge, always looking for a reason to snap at a moment's notice. There is the person who is always putting up belonging on things that aren't theirs, who is always reaching where they shouldn't go. These toxic relationships are relationships that move us further away from the promises and purpose that God has for us. And they're relationships that move us closer to depression and anxiety and anger and debt and destruction and sin. The reality is toxic relationships are toxic not because of who that person is, but because of who it makes us when we are around them. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Bad company corrupts good character. The reality is that the main thing that makes these relationships toxic is the way that they affect us. And so if you have toxic relationships in your life, then I believe it is time for us to do something about it. Here's some next steps if you want to make your life just a little bit less toxic. Number one, we are followers of Jesus. And so the very first move in any kind of situation we find ourselves in that is toxic is to attempt to detox. Attempt to detox the relationship. Jesus actually gives us some guidance on how to deal with toxic relationships between two Christians. Look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. It says this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Another, passage, another version says you have won your brother. Step one in detoxing a relationship is to talk to the person who is toxic. This is a counter to the culture that we live in. We, we kind of live in a grudge culture. 
We live in a wall culture. When somebody is difficult to be around, we grit our teeth and bear it. Oh, hi, hi, Nancy. It's so good to see you today. We pretend like everything is okay. We want to bury it. It's not normal for us to actually have hard conversations. And honestly, I think that the more that we use the internet as our outlet to say what we actually feel, the less we are good at actually having conversations with people where we communicate what's on our hearts. But the number one step to detox a toxic relationship is communication. Let me encourage you to steep this whole part of the process and every part in lots of prayer. And lots of prayer. If you have a toxic relationship, I think it's so important to confront the person and talk about what is making it toxic. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it in the gentleness and kindness and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. The truth is that one of the reasons we don't like to talk about hard things is because we're often not really sure what we might say. If it's somebody who's been toxic in our lives for a long time, we're nervous about that. We're nervous about we're going to get in a confrontation. We're going to fight. We're going to argue. Maybe it's somebody who's just going to naturally bring you to their level. Whatever energy they're going to come into that conversation with, you're going to be likely to match it. That is why we pray. We pray. We pray. We pray. We pray. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can have hard conversations in a way that is gentle and kind no matter what the person on the other end is doing or what they're saying or the way they're treating you can be gentle and kind and you can treat people with respect and you can listen and do all of these things through the power of the Holy Spirit but only happens if you steep it in prayer. Number one step, if you have a follower of Christ who you are in a toxic relationship with is talk to that person, talk to him. Galatians uh, 6.1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Let the Holy Spirit give you a gentleness and don't be dragged down to their level. If the person is bitter and petty, don't let them make you bitter and petty. Enter into it with prayer behind you. And then, if this person is toxic because they are aggressive, you may just want to go straight to the next step in the process. Verse 16 says, If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So if you confront them about their toxicity, about the things that they're doing that's affecting you in a deep and intimate and personal way that's harming you as a person, and they don't respond to that, consider approaching them again with one or two people who are close to you, who you trust as a means of mediation. Bring somebody else into the conversation. This is why life group and community is so important. It gives us people in our lives who we're willing to say, hey, I've got to do something really hard, and I'm going to ask you to get in it with me. Sometimes I think we, we don't really know how to build relationships that are that level where you can ask somebody, I've got to, I've got to confront somebody who is really been a huge source of negativity in my life for a long time. And I've tried to talk to him about it before, and I don't really know how to get through. I was hoping you could help us mediate a conversation. So it's, it's hard to find that person. But if you get in a life group and you start to build these relationships little by little, step by, it doesn't happen overnight. It can take a long time, but little by little, step by step, you start to go through life together. You start to find the people that you can pull alongside you in this. This could be a friend or a family member, somebody that you're in community with. It could be a counselor. 
In some cases, maybe you need to get a professional mediator in between. Uh, somebody, it needs to be somebody that you both respect and could help you both to feel heard. And then verse 17 says, If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. The church as we know it didn't exist yet when Jesus said this. And so he most likely meant to take it to a group of leaders or elders or people in spiritual authority who could help you discern some next steps in this relationship. And then if that doesn't work, it's time to set up some clear boundaries with that person. Gentiles and tax collectors were in the lives of the people he was speaking to, but they weren't intertwined in their lives. There's a big difference. I'll explain that and other boundaries more clearly in just a moment. If you have toxic people in your life, there's a, there's, and they're not followers of Jesus, I think a similar template can be followed. First, we should forgive people and recognize that the hurt they inflict is likely a result of the hurt that they feel. This isn't excusing them, but it is understanding that we are all not only broken, but we are all also capable of redemption. And forgiving toxic people is hard. It requires lots of prayer. Jesus says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. And I know how hard that is. This gets significantly harder depending on who the person is to you. Maybe the toxic relationship in your life is a next door neighbor or a co-worker. And in those situations, it's honest, it's not as hard to go through a process like this to try and find the next best way to detox this relationship. But if this is somebody who's very close to you, like a parent or a sibling or uh, a family member, an in-law, or if this is your partner, your spouse, that is the toxic relationship in your life, this gets very difficult. And the part in the beginning where we forgive this person and try to understand this person so we can have a conversation with this person and try to detox the relationship with this person. This is a very hard part. It's really tough to forgive people when they're not making steps to be forgiven. And we live in a really tit-for-tat culture where it's normal for us to expect to only forgive after we hear the words, I'm sorry, but that's not the way of Jesus. That's why he says to pray for those who hurt you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. There's no qualifier. There's no pray for those who hurt you after they apologize for hurting you. And so if you get in prayer for people, I believe it makes it easier for you to forgive people and pray for them. Don't pray, God, I want to pray for so-and-so. God, I want to I pray that you would send bees into their mouth, Lord. I pray that they would get gnat bites all over their eyeballs, Heavenly Father. God, I pray that they would never, ever, ever be able to reach the itchy spot on their back. The Lord, they would be forever bothered by something. That's not that kind of prayer. If we want to pray for people in order to forgive them, you've got to start asking for blessing and favor on the toxic people in your life. God, I'm praying for the manipulator who I have to see every single day that you would bless that person, that you would give favor to that person, that you would start to change and transform the heart of that person into the purpose you have for them. God, I ask that you would give them freedom from the hurt that they're feeling that makes them feel they need to hurt others. Pray for people. Forgive people. Forgive people. And then try to understand them. Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. I'm not telling you to excuse their toxicity, 
Just work to understand what got them there. This will help you to forgive them and it will help you to move forward and heal it. Then, after you've done that, you've forgiven them, you've tried to understand them, then get some help. If this person is close to you like a spouse or a family member, it is worth paying someone. Going to a counselor is one of the best investments you could ever make in your life. If it's a friend or a neighbor, then maybe see if they would sit down with someone you trust to hear and advise you both on where you can grow and change. Proverbs 25 says, The purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Sometimes what's in somebody's heart is making a tension between you because you can't see it and you don't understand them and they don't understand you and you can detox this thing if you could just draw their intentions out of their heart and having someone else involved in the conversation helps with that. One more point here. Before you try to detox the relationship, make sure that you detox yourself. The first step to a healthy relationship is a healthy me. The first step to a healthy relationship is a healthy me. If, if, if the majority of the relationships in your life is toxic, it might be first time to take a look at what's in the mirror. Make sure that you're not the one feeding into that. It says in, uh, Jesus says, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye while there is still a beam in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the beam out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Make sure you're not the one who is toxic. And then do what you can to detox the relationship. As a follower of Jesus, we should always try first to detox a toxic relationship. We are people of grace and forgiveness and kindness and gentleness. And that should show in how we relate to all people. Now, maybe you've tried all these things. You've, you've tried to detox this relationship. You've tried to listen. You've tried to hear. You've tried to get counseling. You've tried all of these things, and it's just not working. If that's the case, then maybe it's time for some boundaries. Number two, set boundaries. Set boundaries. I think we have a lot of wrong things that we allow into our relationships and into our lives because we have a lot of the best intentions. We're trying to help people find freedom or we really care about somebody or we're trying to live in deep community or we try to show people compassion, but we're doing it in a way that's costing us both our joy and our peace and it's making it toxic for us to remain in these relationships. Sometimes we need boundaries. It's the oxygen mask principle. When you get on an airplane to travel, they get up and they do the safety spiel. What do they always tell you? Always make sure that when the oxygen mask falls from the overhead compartment, you put it on your face before you put it on the face of the person next to you. I think a lot of us, when that oxygen mask dangles, by the way, if that ever happens to me on an airplane, I will never get on an airplane again. If I ever see that mask, it is the last time I have ever flown anywhere. I promise you that. Every time they pull it out to show me, I'm thinking, this better be the only time I see that today. But if that mask, for a lot of you, falls out of the overhead bin compartment, and it's dangling right there, and you've got your child sitting right here, what are, what are, what are the, what's the mama bear going to do, the papa bear going to do? Going to get that mask on my child first, or on my spouse first, or I want to, some of you, some of us, we're, we're trying to get the whole plane's masks on before we go and put our own on. But the reason they tell you to do that is because if you don't get your mask on first, you're going to pass out before you can help anybody else. And I think too often 
We are trying to help other people and we are neglecting putting our mask on and we get so unhealthy and we get so, so unconscious in the middle of it all that we can't reach out and help anybody else. Setting boundaries is the oxygen mask principle. You need to have clear boundaries in your life, especially around toxic relationships, so that you are able to help the people who are hurting in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your home. You've got to take care of yourself first. That is where boundaries come into play. Jesus had boundaries. He had 72 disciples. And I know you're, you're thinking, no, there's 12. I've seen the painting. There's 12 of them for sure. I know it. I've read it. I saw it. Luke 10, among other places, tell us that Jesus had 72 consistent disciples, sometimes more than that. And out of those people who were in his life, who he invested in and spent time with, there were 12 that he allowed to get close to him. But among those 12 were some guys that maybe he didn't want that close, like Judas, who was always complaining about the way they spent their money. There's one in every church. Or there was, or there was, um, or there was the, the guy, Simon the Zealot, who was a radical, always wanting to fight wars and start trouble. And Jesus wasn't going to let every single person he cared about into that inner circle. So there were three that he was very close with. Jesus had boundaries between him and the Pharisees. He showed them, he taught them, he made an effort to help them understand the kingdom of God, to right the wrongs. But he also didn't allow them into his life in any significant way. He, he would give them time, like his moment with Nicodemus overnight, he would give them time when they asked for it, but he was also going to make sure that he withdrew in other seasons to pray, to be away from them, to be able to restore him, his heart and himself, to be able to continue the ministry that he was called to do. Being selective about who you let close to you isn't being bad at community. It's using wisdom. Passages like Proverbs 22:24 tell us to make boundaries. It, it says, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered. If you have toxic relationships, you might need to set up boundaries as to where they're allowed in your hearts. Now, based on what Jesus taught us about showing love to people, even our enemies, and making disciples of people, we know that there is still an imperative to help people find freedom and allow them a seat at the table. But it doesn't mean that you can't create clear boundaries for them and enforce those boundaries. And it doesn't mean that we have to allow toxic people and toxic relationships deeply close to us. We need to create boundaries. And we don't for a variety of reasons. Sometimes we won't create boundaries with toxic relationships in our life because we have a rescue syndrome. We care about people, so we want to keep them from their consequences. We, we want to keep getting completely involved in somebody's mess. And so we keep opening up our homes and our hearts, and we keep getting stepped on and taken advantage of over and over again. It becomes more and more toxic, and it's time to set up some boundaries. In Galatians 6-7, it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit he will reap eternal life. God forgives us for our mistakes, but he doesn't remove us 
from our consequences. Maybe you're keeping a toxic relationship in your life because you want to protect somebody from their consequences. But we experience our consequences, and if we are wise, we learn from them and we begin to sow to please the Spirit instead. And if we are not, then we face the consequences. If we keep rescuing people, we will not only feed those toxic behaviors, but we will also bring all of this unnecessary stress into our lives trying to, to help somebody beyond what we are capable of. It is okay to step into somebody's mess and offer hope and healing and compassion. But when that is constantly taken advantage of, it may be time to create a boundary. I love you, and I will care for you, but I cannot continue to provide for you. I love you, and I'm praying for you, but I cannot excuse you. Sometimes we are afraid to draw boundaries because we get all caught up in the what-ifs. What if they get angry? What if they're harmed by this? Do you know the difference between hurt and harm? Hurt and harm. When I go for surgery, they're going to hurt me so that I can get better. But they're not going to harm me. They took an oath against harm. Hurt can help. Harm is intentionally painful. If you set a boundary, it may hurt. But that hurt can help. If I set a boundary, I say, listen, you're welcome in my home, but your gossip has to stay outside. can't come in. Or I say, you're welcome to come to dinner with me, but the anger and the toxic uh, attitude that you bring with you every time you come into my house, it cannot come past the front door. If I set a clear relational boundary with someone directly, it might be a catalyst of change for that person. Proverbs 27.26 says, The wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. When we just constantly tell toxic people that everything's okay and, we, and it's going to be all right and don't worry about it. No, it wasn't that bad. It's fine. We're not helping that person. We're allowing their toxicity to grow. Sometimes we've got to be honest. Don't just tolerate somebody's hurtfulness because they're family or because you think you have to. Setting a boundary may hurt them, but it also might be helpful to them. Do it with grace. Do it with love. Do it with kindness, but set a boundary. Two different kinds of boundaries that we can set. Relational boundaries. Relational boundaries. Be selective about who you allow to get close to you. Make sure they're people who lift you up both spiritually and emotionally. No friend is going to do that all the time. Sometimes people are going to take from you more than they give. That's fine. But surround yourself with people who at least do this most of the time. Proverbs 14 talks about people who give loud, wrong advice and people who manipulate and people who influence bitterness. Proverbs 22 talks about people who are easily angered. I'd say these are some toxic behaviors, some toxic relationships that should not have easy access to your life. I think they need Jesus and they need freedom. And when they're ready to pursue it, we've got places for that. We've got to be like Jesus. We've got to love these people and have kindness in our hearts for these people. Have compassion for these people. Even the most toxic people in our lives. Yes, compassion and kindness and gentleness. But we are also going to allow them to be a part of a larger community maybe in our lives. But then we are also going to have a smaller community of people who are good for us. That you find freedom with and that you live in community with. And then have just a small handful of people who are life-giving to you. Who get full access to your life. And choose who these people are wisely. 
Sometimes the toxic people in our lives need to be on the outside of those closest boundaries. Second, we could set behavioral boundaries. You may have people in your life who are toxic, but you just can't remove them from your life. Parents or, or people that are really close that you, you think that they're not causing too much harm. They're just not good, good for my mental health, for my spiritual or emotional health to be around all the time. So I'm going to set some behavioral boundaries. I'd have a conversation with that person and, and be very direct. Hey, when you're at my house, all of your toxic political conversation stays outside. It doesn't come in. Hey, when you come over to watch my kids, your temper's got to be completely in check. When you come home for the holidays, your language has got to be clean when it is around my family. We do not gossip in my home. Anytime you begin to gossip, we'll shut it down. Sit down. Have face-to-face conversations with somebody about behavioral boundaries you are setting. Set some boundaries. Set some boundaries on the toxic relationships in your life. I think that we've got to do everything that we can to the people in our lives who are toxic to try to show them grace and give them opportunities to grow, but at the same time, we've got to put our mask on first and protect ourselves and allow ourselves to have the ability to find freedom and the ability to move closer to our purpose and all of it. And so sometimes if you've tried to detox this relationship and really gone hard at it, you've brought in a counselor, you've moved, you've, you've brought in people from the church, spiritual leaders that you've trust, you've come together and you've confronted this issue and set some boundaries around it and boundaries aren't being respected and the situation begins to get dangerous because it is so toxic then at that point it just might be time to move on if you've tried all of these other things and these people are still toxic and it's starting to influence you more and more and you can't do anything about it it's possible that it's time to move on from this toxic relationship Now, I want to be clear here. In the context of marriage, this whole topic is very complicated. If you were applying all of this to your marriage, or you would say the most toxic relationship in your life is your marriage, then you need to bring in the wisdom of somebody else to help you make decisions about how to move forward. I think so many marriages do everything on their own. And never allow somebody else to step into it and help us make decisions that are wise, that help us to move together as a family and move forward. And we just do everything on our own, and so we're not able to find a way out and everything ends. Make sure that you don't do that. We've got to bring people in from the outside to help us evaluate the best next steps forward. If you need somebody like that, I can connect you with a follower of Jesus who is a licensed counselor who can help you discern some next steps in your marriage. So if this is your marriage, know that it's just a messy topic. But for all the other toxic relationships in your life, here's the process. Try to detox it. Forgive the person. Pray for the person. Try to communicate with the person. Work to detox that relationship. And if that doesn't work, set up clear boundaries. And if that still doesn't work, then you might have to move on from this relationship. Titus says in Titus 3.10, warn a divisive person once and warn them a second time. We don't give up quickly. After that, have nothing to do with them. 
you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful and they are self-condemned. Similar passages agree appear in about half a dozen different verses throughout the New Testament. This to me, verse 11, Titus chapter 3, verse 11, is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. But it's one that we need to reconcile. You know, I, I used to be one of the most broken people you could meet. I was toxic. I was toxic to the people around me. I was toxic to my family, my friends, people I cared about. I was the tempter. I was the manipulator. I was a liar. I was always poisoning the relationships in my life. And the thing that actually led to the moment where everything changed for me, the moment when I when I realized I couldn't keep on living that way, when I gave my whole life to Jesus, was right here in Titus chapter 3. One of the people that mattered to me more than anyone else in this world read the part where it says, have nothing to do with them. These people are warped and sinful and self-condemned. I felt the weight of that verse. Rael, who I'm married to, now I wasn't married to at the time. In fact, I just had a massive crush on her and 0% chance of ever dating her. And she called me up and said, John Mark, I need you to know that I can see you're hurting and you're broken and you're falling apart. But it hurts me too much to be around you right now. I know that the answer to all these things you're doing and searching for is a relationship with Jesus. And until you can find that, I can't be around you anymore. It's not good for me. I got off the phone and I was absolutely shattered to my core. I went through the motions. I was at work. I was in the Coast Guard at the time. We were deploying, getting our ship underway. So I went through the motions of the work I had to do. And as soon as that was done, I went down into my barrack and I grabbed a dusty Bible off the top shelf of my locker that I hadn't touched since boot camp. And I pulled it down and I opened it up to Genesis chapter 1 and I began to read the story of God's relationship with humanity and within a month I was radically changed transformed and rescued I'm not saying that's what's going to happen every time you say I'm going to have to move on from this toxic relationship I'm not saying that that is not a guarantee but I am saying that sometimes it is what we have to do for ourselves and sometimes it is what is good even for that other person You don't have to have the last word. You don't have to prove anything. You don't need to get revenge on these people. For the toxic people in your life, their brokenness is all the punishment they deserve and need. If you've done the work to make things right and they're continually bringing toxicity to your life and your plans and your purpose and your future, you may need to move on. Or rather, create for them the strictest boundaries you can. Jesus told his disciples whenever he, they went into a town and the people in that town were toxic to him that they needed to shake the dust off their feet and leave that town and go and not look back. There is a moment when we need to admit that fixing people is outside of our control. We can influence people. We can pray for people. But the only person we can control is ourselves. So we'll pray for them. We'll be kind to them. 
but it may be time to move on. Toxic relationships are hard to navigate. And there's always going to be people in your life that are acting out of their brokenness. But that doesn't mean we have to let their brokenness turn into our brokenness. Show people as much kindness and compassion as grace as you can. Never retaliate. Pray and allow the Holy Spirit to work in you through it. Involve others in the process and find freedom from it. And sometimes that is all we can do. From top to bottom, cover everything in it in prayer. Trust the movement of the Holy Spirit. Set the boundaries where you need them. Sometimes move on when you have to. Toxic relationships are hard. Always bring other people who you trust to lead you and give you good wisdom and and guidance into the process and then follow the process. Next week, we're talking about toxic mindsets. What happens when we're living in a world that is this broken for this long to our emotional state? I hope you'll join us and be a part of that. If you're here today and you've never been in a relationship with Jesus before and you're really not sure how to go and approach somebody who's toxic in your life with kindness in your heart because there is no kindness in that relationship. Where could you get it from? I want to tell you today that there is a source of kindness, a source of gentleness, a source of peace, a source of joy available to you for free today that is greater than anything you could have ever imagined before. And it is a relationship with Jesus. He's done all the work for you. All you have to do is just say yes to the offer he's extended you to enter into a relationship with him today. If you're ready to do that, right where you are, bow your head, close your eyes, say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for forgiving me, Lord. I thank you so much uh, for doing the work so that I could have a relationship with you. And so today I, I ask that you would forgive me of all my mistakes and all my sins. I believe in you, God. And I choose to follow you. I give you all that I am from this moment forward to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if this is your uh, first Sunday with The Gathering, make sure you fill out a Connect card so that we know you're here. This is our response time at The Gathering. And so you can use that card to respond in a number of ways. Fill out a prayer request. Let us know how we can be praying for you. Our prayer team gets so excited every time you fill out one of those prayer cards. People want to pray for you, and so let us know how we can do it. If, uh, if this is your home, we invite you to partner with us in giving. We believe uh, that by giving, it helps us to set our perspectives right, that it allows us to constantly keep God at the number one position in our hearts and not put our money or our possessions or our own security in our hands, but trust in His. And so if this is your home, we invite you to partner with us in that way. We thank you so much for joining us this Sunday, for being with us, for worshiping with us. I'll see you again next week. Let's pray as we close today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, God. I thank you that you are a God of miracles, that for you, nobody is ever too far gone. There is no cause that is lost. There is nobody that is beyond hope. And so for every person in, uh, who's watching today, God, who is not sure what to do next with these toxic relationships. God, we lay those relationships at your feet. We trust you with them. God, it is so hard to move on for those who have your heart, who have the heart to help and the heart 
to heal and the heart to reach out and, and the heart to be involved. But God, if it's no longer good for us, then Lord, we trust it to you. We know you can do the miracle. We know that you can rescue us from the dead. We know that you're the only one who can change the spirit of a person and the heart of a person. And so, God, we put those names that are in our minds and our hearts at your feet today. We trust you with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week. The Gathering Church Podcast is produced by the Gathering Church Creative Team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.